millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast, your weekly dose of talking about watching soccer on TV, online and apps. Coming up on episode 25 of the World Soccer Talk podcast, we discuss huge news for fans of clubs in the championship, League One and League Two in England, how illegal streaming could have a Napster-like impact on the sport of soccer, what soccer fans need to know about the new Hulu live TV product, plus much, much more. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and uh, Kartik Krishnaya is on assignment, and I'm joined today, this is a great pleasure, uh, by Mark Donaldson from ESPN. How are you, Mark? I'm good, Chris. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. Really, really, really well. Thanks. So glad to have you join us. For those, I mean, most of our listeners probably know who you are uh, listening to you on uh, ESPN uh, commentaries, most recently the one, uh, the, the DFB uh, Pokal uh, semi-final between Dortmund and uh, Bayern Munich, of course. But uh, for those who don't know you as well, could you give maybe just a just a quick background in terms of uh, your experience and um, some of the games, you, some of the great games you've called over the years? Yeah, I've been at ESPN now since 2010. So I did the World Cup in 2014 for ESPN Radio. I did the Euros on ESPN TV in 2016. Uh, before that, I was freelance at Sky Sports News in the UK. Uh, and I've got a radio background as well at uh, Radio 4th in Edinburgh. And did uh, I still do a weekly piece um, for Talk Sport in, uh, in London as part of the, the two mics shows. Uh, on a, a Tuesday and a Wednesday. Uh, that came about based on the fact that I used to be sports editor and drive time host at uh, Talk 107 in Edinburgh, which was uh, Scotland's first speech-only station. And they were, of course, a sister station to Talk Sport. So that was in 2007. And 10 years later, I'm still uh, appearing on, uh, on, on Talk Sport uh, with the two mics this time. Yeah, and the two mics are always a good listen, always a good laugh. But uh, so some some good analysis too, some great callers coming in. But uh, just a cast of characters, those two. But uh, yeah, I enjoy listening to it. And every once in a while, I'm, I'm listening. Uh, I'll hear you on there, Mark. So it's uh, it's great to have you on the show. So let's start off, Mark, by this past week. Um, if you can just kind of maybe just kind of talk a little bit about uh, what you've been watching, both on in a professional capacity, uh, working, and but also, of course, as a soccer fan. 
Sure. You mentioned the uh, the German Cup semi-final. I worked with Craig Burley and called a, a wonderful match uh, between Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich uh, with Craig. Um, still don't know how Bayern didn't win it. I think they don't understand how they didn't win it. And uh, that was the Wednesday uh, game. Thoroughly enjoyed doing that commentary. Thursday, just as a fan, like I'm sure all of us, we watched Man City and Manchester United or Manchester City attacking against Manchester United defending. Um, Friday, I had uh, I had three French games over the weekend and a German game on Saturday. The French game, I had Lyon at Angers winning by two goals to one on the Friday. I had a nil-nil draw between RB Leipzig and Ingolstadt on the Saturday, which ultimately set up Bayern, who played later that day to win the title uh, with their victory. And then on Sunday, I did a, a French double header, Dijon nil-nil against Bordeaux, not much to write home about, and Nice against Paris Saint-Germain, which was a bit of a surprise. Um, and nice winning 3-1, although they haven't lost at home this season. So uh, it was a good game as well. Now, these games that I'm working on, apart from the German Cup semi-final, are all done for ESPN International. So it's like the Caribbean, it's Australia, New Zealand, Africa, Asia. So that goes out all there. Monday was Liverpool's win at Watford and with uh, a F- Philippe Coutinho in my fantasy team, that didn't exactly go down too well. <laughs> and then uh, then the tube, Tuesday and Wednesday, the Champions League games and uh, Ajax's win. I did Ajax um, against Feyenoord and PSV of late. We do the Dutch league as well. So I was pleased to see them beating uh, Lyon and put one foot through to the, the Europa League final. Yeah, I was going to ask you, we'll probably bounce around quite a bit for this past week, but I was going to ask you about that, about Ajax, because I watched the matches, uh, the, well, the, I guess the quarterfinals, the two legs uh, between, uh, against Schalke. Both of those games were absolutely scintillating, open, open football, but end-to-end action. And we saw that too in that first leg against uh, Lyon uh, for the semifinal on, on uh, what, Tuesday or Wednesday, perhaps. Um, the one thing I want to ask you, um, Mark, is because... Uh, for for uh, the Eredivisie, the, the the Dutch league, we had it under NGSN, but then NGSN went away, and we haven't had it in the states, so we haven't been able to watch Ajax at all. You've had the pleasure of doing uh, a lot of matches for ESPN International. Is this Ajax side that good, or is it that Schalke and Lyon are, are not that good? There's a distinct irony in the fact that Ajax look like they're going to qualify for the Europa League final and win their first trophy for a number of years. And they're not even top of the Eredivisie because it's a chance for Feyenoord to win their first title in many years. And they've got a a four-point lead as a result of a a game that I did on Sunday, the 23rd of April, when Ajax went to PSV, who are in third place right now. And uh, and they lost by a goal to nil. And and they were absolutely horrible. And I'd done them the week or two before at home to, to Feyenoord in their classicer. They were up for it. They were fantastic. They got themselves back into the title race. And you thought to yourself, you know what? They've got a right chance. And then they had that insipid performance in Eindhoven. But it's interesting to see the players that they've got. And I've covered the Dutch League since 2010, since I arrived at ESPN. And I wouldn't say that it's any better than some of the teams I've seen before, which had the likes of Alderweireld and Vertonghen at the back. It had Christian Eriksen, Luis Suarez. I'd have them ahead of, of, of this team right now. There's good players. Kasper Dolberg, if he gets service, the big Danish striker, but he doesn't really do much if he's if he's not got service. Uh, Chelsea fans all know Bertrand Traore and Amin Yunus as well, the, the German who's a good player, and Ziyech, the Moroccan. I mean, they've got a lot of talent, Lasse Schöne, but I still, Chris, would, would have the team of kind of 2010, 2011 um, as eclipsing this side. But the bizarre thing is, of course, that they are probably not going to win the Eredivisie title this year, yet they could win the Europa League. 
Yeah, and a fellow Scott, uh, Ian Joy, did the commentary at least stateside for uh, for for FS2 for the um, the the actual semifinal for Ajax. Also yeah. did the Schalke games too. So very very lucky to have just really fa- intense, fantastic matches. But but the one thing that stood out for me too, especially as a fan of uh, old school English football, is just the atmosphere at the Amsterdam Arena or, or the Johan Cruyff Arena now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but just that's one thing I've been missing quite a bit from not seeing uh, the Dutch league. It's just those that wild passion, the terraces, just the you know, just the, the intense. Uh, the noise, but just uh, something you don't get to see on on a say a, an average Premier League match or an average uh, Major League Soccer match, perhaps. And this was this was the issue back at the start of of April when uh, I was lucky enough to to cover with Shaka Hislop that day. Uh, him and I did Ajax against Feyenoord, and the issue there was that away fans have been banned in the Classicer. Um, since 2008, 2009. Wow. Now, the, the, they keep a, an area of the stadium. I mean, it's, it's segregated. It's in a kind of cage at the top uh, left-hand corner uh, as you look on the television at the Amsterdam Arena. They keep that kind of uh, for away fans. And they, they just kept it empty that day because, I mean, it is designed for that. And the atmosphere does struggle. Um, now, in that game, when Ajax played Feyenoord, uh, when Kramer scored with practically the last kick of the ball, it was a consolation goal for Feyenoord. And the, the Ajax fans pretty much cheered it uh, as if to say, well, you're, you're not going to win. But they, they don't have the same atmosphere. And it's the same at De Kalp in, in Rotterdam, which, I mean, I've commentated there. And it's a wonderful stadium f- for atmosphere. You've got the toing and froing from the home fans to the away fans as well. And the biggest game in Dutch football does miss something with no away fans. But if you set fire to trains, what do you expect? <laughs> but, but and that's the irony is, is that probably most of our listeners probably missed these matches. And unfortunately, because those other, I mean, the Man United against Anderlecht ties were on at the same time as the Ajax Schalke games. Um, but anyway, so, so for those listeners who have missed out on Ajax thus far, watch this team. This is absolutely an attack- attacking, free-flowing, lovely, creative team to watch. And hopefully they'll make it through to the final. They should at this point, but you never know. Uh, and we'll see if they'll play Celta or uh, Man United in the final. But uh, whoever it is, it's going to be a, a great match. In terms of some yeah. of the, the other matches I watched too, I, so I watched the Manchester derby. What a dull match mm-hmm. that was! Uh, I did in, <laughs> I did enjoy the the banter between Arla White, uh, Lee Dixon, and uh, Graham Lasso. Uh, the banter seems to be increasing as the season goes on, but uh, it's all fun, fun and games. I've enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, the Friday I watched uh, Leverkusen against Schalke. Uh, Keith Costigan and uh, Ian Joy commentating on that one. And uh, within the first 25 minutes, it was match over. I mean, this was uh, Schalke went 3-0 up. And I was like, okay, let me just change the channel on that one. Uh, headed over to watch Cardiff against Newcastle. Uh, a really poor game. Um, but um, Newcastle fans made it more enjoyable uh, with, with their singing and passion. And uh, they got the points there to, to guarantee uh, promotion back to the Premier League. So congratulations there to the Geordies. Um, on su- Saturday morning, I believe it was, I watched a little bit of the the Ulfham derby, Rangers against Celtic. Uh, this was was on FS1. Very little promotion from Fox Sports. I, d- I didn't hear anything about this one, but uh, we we knew it was on. Watched a little bit of it, enjoyed it. Uh, Ian Crocker doing the commentaries always seems to be doing the the Ulfham derbies. And uh, but in the match itself, I mean, it was really men against boys. I mean, Celtic was just, I mean, light years ahead of. Uh, where what Rangers is at right now, but uh, 
So, Mark, you think any chance in the future that Rangers can can strengthen this side and at least narrow the gap a bit? Well, they got into uh, into bother that uh, resulted in them dropping down the leagues by spending money they didn't have. Now, you can't spend money to to catch Celtic because Celtic, and I just saw the figures yesterday from what the English clubs and the Scottish clubs Celtic made uh, from the Champions League this season and, and Celtic made 30 million euros um, when Rangers reached the UEFA Cup final in Manchester in 2008 they earned the same by getting to the final as Celtic did just from appearing in the group stages of the Champions League so mm. I don't see how Rangers uh, certainly in the short term can catch Celtic um, I think there's no point in, in trying to aim for, for the top for them right now they've got to think about trying to get second spot because Aberdeen right now are the second best team um, in Scotland but as far as Celtic is concerned it's no surprise that Brendan Rodgers signed exactly the term of deal that would take Celtic to 10 in a row if they were to win all the titles and of course having both Rangers and Celtic won 9 in a row my colleague Craig Burley was part of the Celtic team that that stopped Rangers from, from doing 10 in a row I think if Brendan gets to 10 in a row then uh, I mean his position in, in Celtic's uh, history is, is is pretty much already secured, and I think that for, for for me would be a big thing for him. Yeah, yeah, definitely legendary status at that point. Um, also on Saturday, I watched a little bit of uh, Orlando City against uh, Colorado. Um, that was the uh, on Univision, or, or actually it was on Unimas and Univision Deportes, and that one had uh, commentary by uh, Nico Cantor. Uh, Andres Cantos' uh, son um, enjoyed that. Well, uh, I think he's actually uh, one for the future in terms of um, definitely um, one to look out for. On Sunday, I uh, watched the Man United against Swansea match, and, and Mark, I'm a Swansea supporter. Oh, <laughs> God, this was rough. This was really rough because essentially, I mean, just this one incident kind of. Uh, <laughs> this was what the game was all about. The one incident, which is the Marcus Rashford uh, dive uh, to win the penalty and Wayne Rooney converts. Sadly, I mean, it's one of those things for me personally. It's uh, That could mean the difference between Swansea staying up and Swansea going down. I mean, of, of course, there's still three matches to go. But um, if Swansea had gotten the, the, the three points in that match, which to me, they thoroughly deserved based on the, the play within the 90 minutes, uh, they would have moved above Hull City into fourth from bottom, still with a lot of games to go. But uh, it's that it's that important. Um, I guess in, on this one, uh, Mark, what's, what's your views on, on video assistant referees and, and the, their, whether we should have them or not um, in the Premier League? I think if technology exists, then it, it should be used where applicable as well. For me, it would only be for, for matter of fact. Um, we have already got the goal system which uh, has, has certainly been something that the referees have welcomed. There's no dubiety anymore, and, and that works. It's where we draw the line with, with the video assistant referees because one issue that, that I would have, what happens if you refer it, like in rugby, which is a sport I love as well, um, what happens if you refer it to the booth and they get one, maybe two looks at it and they come up with the wrong decision, having seen replays? Because, I mean, look, I've done many games on television. We've all watched thousands of games. NBC's excellent coverage as well of the of the Premier League. I've seen the two Robbies, good friends of mine, Robbie Earl, Robbie Muss. I've seen them disagreeing. Mm-hmm. So who's to say that the person upstairs in the main stand 
is is going to make the right call. But for me, there has to be an element of human error in football. So uh, if you had a video assistant referee with regards to that specific incident at Old Trafford, that's not going to take long to clear up because it was a dive. And in Scotland, um, they have this system for the compliance officer to issue uh, an offer, which I think is very kind. We offer you a two-match ban for your recent dive um, <laughs> at, at the weekend. Now, the interesting thing about this is it's a yellow card offence. So the question is, wait a minute, why are they offering a two-match ban when if it's just a yellow card offence? But what they do, and I'm, I'm behind this as well, if it helps to, to try and stamp out this, I'm totally uh, with this. They're saying you try to con the referee, you try to fool the referee into thinking that he should give a penalty. So it's not just a yellow card, but we will be giving you a, a two-game ban. So I think as well as video assistant referees for certain things there has to be an element and i spoke with robbie musto on the phone about this a couple of days ago um of of not offering bans but there has to be if you go down and you get caught then you have to be punished if we don't punish them it's going to continue right right and for the referees it's it's almost impossible i mean of course. Uh, yeah i mean the referee in this instance his view was blocked the assistant referee was so far away he couldn't really see so the referee had to make make a decision and he doesn't have the courtesy of, of what we have all the, the re- replays that you mean the different angles and even for us too, we had to do slow mo and kind of go. You mean analyze it over a period of like twenty seconds or so, and go, yeah, he, he dove. So I, I agree with you, uh, Mark. I think it is one of those things. There's a lot of interpretation in terms of uh, who's actually making the decision making in terms of um, these incidents, and it's not black and white. There are, in terms of the rules, there are some gray areas where uh, you could take uh, Graham Paul and you could take. Uh, I don't know, another kind of a referee from the past, and they, they, they probably would disagree on certain things. They wouldn't come to the same agreement based on the rules. So, yep. yeah, it's, it's a dicey situation, and it's only going to get worse, um, especially for the Premier League, because they, they're not pushing forward with video assistant referees. Uh, we were supposed to see it in the Bundesliga next season. I believe Major League Soccer is going to be pulling it into, I think, uh, next year. Um, and then we also got uh, the FIFA World Cup. I think they're supposed to be using that technology too. But it's not going to solve everything overnight, and there's going to be more issues coming up. But at least maybe there'll be overall maybe some more fairer decisions at the end of the day, but it's not going to be a perfect solution that everyone's thinking it's going to be. Did we not see, I, I think it was um, when the Club World Cup took place yep. last December, when the, when the first time it came in, there was absolute chaos because play on, no, play stopped, uh, I'll play on again. Now, I get that that was the first time it had been introduced, but if that is an example of the chaos that it could be, I mean, which part of the field do you do you use it? Because if there's an offside in a build-up to something that you then want to use the video assistant referee for whether or not, say, say for example, there's, a, there's an offside in the build-up to Marcus Rashford diving. Now, there wasn't, but had there been, how far back are we going here? Are we just looking at the Rashford dive? Are we scrolling back? Are we thinking, wait a minute here, there was an offside there. There's, there's got to be kind of a fine line. There's got to be black and white as to what exactly we're looking to use the video assistant referee for. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, people, I mean, NFL over here in the States, there's the challenge system. Yeah. Are we going to end up with something like that? So there's a lot of questions that remain without answers for me with regards to this. But if we've got the ability to use it, I think technology should be used. Absolutely. So, uh, and then following that, uh, well, actually a little bit later, I missed the Chelsea-Everton match. I was uh, on the road, but I did catch uh, the first half of Spurs against Arsenal. 
Uh, this one I listened to uh, BBC uh, World Service and listened to Sports World. Uh, so we had the commentary for the first half with uh, Alan Green and Danny Mills. And Alan Green, of course, is a, kind of a legend uh, in the UK especially. So it was, it, was, it was interesting to listen to the radio commentaries. That's one thing I do miss about the UK is that there's definitely more of a, uh, I guess, uh, I guess radio commentaries in general are kind of uh, more part of daily football life especially when many of these games aren't on television but for me in the states kind of listening to that i really enjoyed it i was on the road again so i couldn't have watched it on television uh, i did catch the second half and um i mean of course an entertaining match one of the interesting things i thought was that um for the contact uh which led to the penalty that when harry kane uh got chopped down basically well not chopped down but he got fouled by gabriel in the box and uh to me it was a clear penalty it was interesting i, I don't, i'm not sure if lee dixon had his arsenal rose tinted glasses on uh or if he just didn't see it i mean sometimes in the commentary booth if he's looking at the monitor but maybe there's a distraction or it's maybe not look, looking as closely but there was a couple of times actually right after that he wasn't convinced it was a penalty and i was like ah oh, is he seeing the same thing i'm seeing because mm. so for that, from that mark, any any experience in terms of um, what might might have happened there? Is it just that he was a little bit biased towards Arsenal, or could it have been that maybe he just didn't see the screen that closely, or may, or maybe he was wanted further proof, perhaps? I mean, it depends on the analyst. I mean, I work with Stevie Nicol, and I've seen Stevie say that's a disgraceful decision, and then two seconds later, there's a replay and goes, "Oh, uh, well, it's not a bad decision after all. <laughs> I was wrong." So, so maybe Lee decided to stay. And I think Lee's excellent. I think he's he's the best analyst. Um, that the NBC has in the, the in their Premier League coverage. Yep. Um, as as far as the incident itself is concerned, sometimes you see things that seem obvious. We've just had the conversation that you get two different referees in two different newspapers on a Monday, and they're both saying different things. Just because it looks obvious to one doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's obvious to something else. I wouldn't say it. I mean, I've heard Lee do a number of Arsenal games, and I've I've, I've seen players of the opposition. Um, and he's been perfectly fair. So I don't think there's any bias there. I just think it's a, a, a thought process. I mean, you ask 100 people, are you going to get 100 saying exactly the same thing? Probably not, even after a couple of replays. That, that's why we love football. That's why it's so subjective. And that's why the video assistant referee argument, again, will probably go on and on. Because for me, there has to be the, the, the kind of human error mm-hmm. example. And, and people's opinions uh like Lee Dixon, I've got no problem with that. Just because he thinks something, I don't have to agree with it in uh, in viewer when I'm watching sure. it. Sure, yeah, good, good point. And then on Monday, I watched the uh, the Watford against Liverpool match, which uh, to me personally, it was just a bit of a a boring game. It really wasn't that good of a match, but it was, of course, with the uh, fantastic uh, Emery Chan bicycle kick. I mean, that was kind of on the highlight reels for sure. Uh, so that one was. Um, Definitely kind of a standout, uh, actually one of the few standout uh, points in this match. But um, we had Martin Tyler and uh, Danny Higginbotham on the uh, commentary. And it's rare these days, actually, that we get to hear Martin Tyler that much uh, on Premier League matches. Oftentimes, he's doing the commentaries for Sky Sports um, or the international feed. But oftentimes, whether it's Arlo or Steve Bauer or, or whoever it may be uh, from the NBC feed, we're, we're getting that feed uh, for the big matches instead of the Martin Tyler so for me, at least, it was refreshing to hear Martin. It's been, seems to be like a few months, uh, a couple of months at least, since we last heard of him. Uh, we, we heard him on the airwaves, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've, uh, if I'm out and about, if I'm in the car, um, I, I like to listen to, to Fox Soccer Plus. And, and sometimes what you found, and it was certainly the case on, on Tuesday, 
uh, I know we'll get on to this as well with the Real Madrid Atletico Madrid game. Uh, when I was in the house, we had uh, Brad Friedel and, and John Strong from uh, from the Bernabeu. But then when I was out and about, um, and I wanted to to have, I mean, I was being driven, so I was able to to watch the the action on on my um, cell phone. I, w- I was able to get uh, the the World Feed commentary, which is different, and I think it was Martin Tyler uh, doing that one with with Stuart Robson. So. Um, it, it's interesting that what they do, Fox um, Soccer, because Fox Soccer Plus doesn't always have the same commentators as FS1 and FS2. Yeah, which also Fox Soccer to go then picks up the. You oftentimes will pick up the same feed from Fox yeah, Soccer Plus. Yeah. So for those listen- people listening, yeah, uh, on the on the app too. But yeah, it was it was Fox Soccer to go that, that Fox Soccer Plus Fox Soccer. Okay, to go. okay. Uh, that, that's that's what I was listening to in the car. It's just yeah. it's just interesting why they had different commentators. Um, on both why they didn't take the call of, of John and Brad. And, and further to that, and I'm sure it's something we can get into um, over the next half hour or so, if you're sending, and I don't know the reasons for it or, or whatever, if you're sending John and Brad to Madrid on the Tuesday, why not have them do Monaco against Juventus from Stade Louis de just up the road. I mean, it's, not, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not exactly a 10-hour flight to get up to Monaco, and you've therefore got the continuity, because I noticed on one of your tweets over the last week or two, I'm sure your Kartik was saying that they have had different partnerships for John in the booth. Um, maybe they've settled on, on Brad being the one that, that Fox want. So why not give them the reps, and why not give yeah. them the opportunity? Because if they're going to be doing the Champions League final in Cardiff, which I assume they are, as they should be, mm-hmm. then why not have them having watched both semi-finalists as opposed to who knows they might be flying back at the time and we'd had to watch it on delay it just just something i i wondered i'm sure there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for it it just didn't seem obvious at the time yeah yeah definitely good point uh, from from a pr perspective i, I know that they uh, they didn't officially announce it until uh for the real uh, atleti game until tuesday morning just a few hours before the match they let people know that officially i mean uh, john strong and brad friedel was there so maybe it was a last minute decision to kind of send them out there i'm not sure but um whatever the case though actually it was refreshing though to actually have them at the stadium it's and we've talked about this in the podcast too, is that um, it makes a big difference being at the stadium, uh, whether it's Brad Friedel noticing things off the ball, off the monitor, I mean, kind of uh, players, whether they're in terms of, uh, and we heard this in the commentary too, players maybe um, not marking tightly or, or leaving too much space open, uh, as well as, you mean, injuries and different off the ball incidents. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I, it's a huge plus. I can tell you from experience, you have to commentate differently when you're doing it, as we call it in the business, off-tube. Um, so we're, we're watching a monitor. You're seeing it on a monitor. We're in a, a booth in Bristol or whatever we are um, for some games and other games. We're on site. You can see referees' assistance, um, whereas if you're in a booth, then you've got to keep it a little bit more generic because you don't know if that flight, if it's a contentious, was that or was it not offside? You don't know if that assistance flags up. So it's 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 just another quirk in that you have to do different commentaries based on whether you're actually at the venue or whether you're watching it in a booth and and with regards to the publicity for for John and and Brad actually being at the game this is an interesting one for me i don't think it needs any publicity whatsoever because for me when you publicize the fact that you're there whether it's be in at uh, the classico as they've been whether it's the guys at fox actually on site during champions league or whether it's nbc I guess, Robbie Musto and I have a good laugh about the fact that uh, I'd send them text, hashtag, you were there. 
because they kept saying that we were there. I, we get that, and I think it's great that they're there as well. But for me, when you uh, publicize the fact specifically that you're going to be on site, mm-hmm. that's basically telling everybody else you're not there for the rest of the time. <laughs> so that, that's just a little, um, here's one shoulder thinks one, yep. uh, and the, the, the little devil on the other shoulder thinks something completely different as well. Yeah, it's, it's a great point. Um, and actually, John Strong was able to do some tweeting before the match too. And, Which and, is great, yeah. Yeah, and Fox incorporated that into the broadcast in terms of some live video and some live shots. Um, the sad thing is, is the match itself, uh, I was really disappointed with, with Atleti's performance. I thought, okay, yep. this is going to be a really close, tight game. And Atleti, this this was not your old Atleti from uh, maybe even last season. At, at least it seemed this way. Uh, Real Madrid was just completely in the driving seat from from start to end. Um, and and that's a tough thing too for for Fox Sports is that how do they kind oh, of next week? Yeah, exactly. It, it's essentially the game feels like it's over already. So how do you kind of drum that up for next week in terms of getting people to tune in and watch the match? Uh, I mean, they can go with the PSG Barcelona angle and say, okay, anything's possible, but it does make it make it really difficult. Uh, even with the Monaco Juventus game too, that one seems done and dusted, but. Um, especially against a great defense on the Juventus side. But uh, with Monaco, they've been one of the most exciting teams I've watched this season. And we've seen them at their best in terms of just that free-flowing, just incredible attacking runs and crosses and you, know, you, you name it, the, 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 the full full Monty, so to speak. But uh, it, it seems like both of those ties are, are over, essentially. Yeah. I mean, we've seen comebacks this season, which uh, I'm sure you can sell. It's going to be very difficult for Atleti. And I want to talk about Diego Simeone in, in just a second. I just want to tell you a quick story. Back in the days when we used to cover the CONCACAF Champions League um, on ESPN, um, <laughs> we did the first leg between um, Herediano and Alpha United. We were under no obligation to, to, to do a first leg or a second leg, and it finished 8-0. Um, to Herediano against Alpha United in their first ever Champions League tie. So um, we didn't, and back in those days, we we didn't usually do the second leg of something if it was either a foregone conclusion or there was a better game. But they chose someone somewhere, thought it would be a good idea to do the second leg as well. I've got to introduce it. Well, welcome to, I think it was Guyana where Alpha United play. Uh, what do you say? Well, if they got an early goal, you never know. I mean, come on, they've just lost the first leg 8-0, yet someone decided it would be a good idea to do the second leg. So, um, like I was that day, and I'd like to think I was, I was as professional um, as possible. I'm sure John and, and, and Brad, if they do the second legs, uh, will be ultra-professional as well. But sometimes yeah. you're going to have a smile to yourself because you know the outcome, but it shouldn't change um, what you're actually paid to do. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and like you said, uh, Mark, too, it looks like it's going to be uh, Brad and John for the final uh, in Cardiff, which is great. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, they, they're a great partnership together. They work really well. They're very professional, you mean, top of the game. And uh, it's, it's been interesting that we've seen kind of the, um, we've, we've seen the Stu Holden in that role in terms of the co-com. Um, I think we've even seen a couple of other people too, but uh, it looks like it's, uh, it's set on Brad and, and John. Yeah, I don't think there's a, I mean, sub- subjectivity, um, whether it's in officials deciding what is and what isn't a free kick, subjectivity exists in viewing pleasures as to what we like, what we like to hear as well. Um, I think John Strong is is excellent, um, the times I've heard him. Um, now, it's difficult for us because this whole commentators union, there's people I prefer, and I'm sure there are, there are people who listen to me and prefer Preferred others. There's no issue with that. But the, the, the bottom line is there isn't a right or a wrong. 
Um, and I, sometimes I I feel sorry for uh, commentators or or various people that can be put into difficult situations because I've listened to, to, to Gus Johnson calling other sports, and Gus Johnson's a fantastic announcer. He's experienced, and ultimately it didn't work for him at football, but I felt for him as well because if someone had said to me, we want you to call a baseball game or whatever, look, I'm not going to say no. I wouldn't want to do it, but I would agree to it. But the question I would put is, who are the people who decide that there are people out there that are the, according to these people who are making the decisions, who are these people who decide that that would be a good idea? I totally get the fact they wanted an American voice. No mm-hmm. problem with that. And, and they've got a really good one in John Strong. But not having a go at anybody, I'm just saying I felt Gus got a lot of stick. And I yep. felt for Gus um, as a result of, of what he was asked to do because that isn't easy. And, and the, the more and more you try, the harder and harder you dig and the deeper and deeper you get. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Fox has come a long way since Gus Johnson. Has, and yeah. uh, they, they, They've learned their lessons, I think, in terms of that. And, and I, we all have, yeah. And I was probably one of the biggest Gus Johnson critics. And, and, and for me, I was I always felt that he was thrown in the deep end. And actually kind of a lot of the um, – not abuse, but at least, um, I guess, uh, analysis or a kind of a ne- a negative reaction should have gone more so to the Fox Sports executives that made a decision that, that, to throw him in the deep end. Because, I mean, going right into Champions League, it's it's a tough job, especially for somebody that doesn't have the background and experience. Uh, it's yeah, it'd be like throwing me into baseball. I would be absolutely it, clueless. It, exactly, and I'd be hopeless at baseball as well. But but what I would say as well, and again, while I'm stressing, I'm not having a go at anybody. That could easily have been an experiment that's continuing to this day. So kudos to whoever decided that, whether it was Gus, whether it was uh, the people at Fox, you've got to realize we all make mistakes in life. We're all human. Um, But they realized it wasn't working and they they got out of it because I think the plan ultimately – um, and correct me if I'm wrong, was was to be that, that Gus would be the voice of the World Cup in, in 2018 yep. in Russia. Because I think, and, and again, you'll know better than me, when the decision to put Gus on, on these games was made, I think by that stage, Fox had already uh, got the World Cup rights from, uh, from ESPN. That's right. Absolutely right. Yeah, the, the 2018 uh, World yep. Cup was was the was the goal of the, for the final. I mean, that, that's that we were looking at it uh, all those years ago. It seems like a long time ago, but it actually wasn't. But uh, yeah, kudos to John Strong and, and kudos to Fox for making the right decision in the end. So, so before we move on to the next segment, I do want to mention a, a quick word from our sponsor, uh, and that's SeatGeek. So buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy, and that's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to buy tickets uh, to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. It helps you get the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. And there's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team in person, and SeatGeek will help you get closer to the action for a great value. Now, I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's really easy to use. So I've been looking this summer for a lot of the ICC games as well as uh, Swansea City's c- come into uh, the southeast, so for some of the friendlies there. But the app experience is really simple and easy to use. It's uh, designed to make your ticket buying experience uh, easier than ever, and it saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket uh, based on value to help you immediately d- identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets um, with confidence. So best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. And uh, just download the SeatGeek app 
and enter promo code WSTPOD today. And that's one word. That's promo code WSTPOD for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now, Mark, some big news in the TV streaming uh, side of things in terms of uh, soccer or football. And that is is that uh, this week, uh, the EFL, the English Football League, has announced that begin, beginning with next season, from the streaming point of view, is that uh, they're offering a subscription service. And this is going to be on a, on a club-by-club basis. So if you're a fan of, uh, so far, I believe it's about 67 or 62 of the 72 teams have signed up for the service. So what it is for the average soccer fan who supports a club uh, from the championship, League One or League Two, is you can subscribe through your uh, club website directly to get um, a live and on-demand uh, feed or stream of your matches, both home and away, throughout the entire season. Now, the funny thing, Mark, about this is probably about 10 years ago, I think it was like Fox Soccer Report or, or one of the variations of the, the Fox Soccer Report that they had. They, they changed the name a few times. I think Bobby McMahon was on the show one night and they said, OK, Bobby, so talk about the streaming thing. And at the time, which is pretty revolutionary, Bobby said, you know what, at some point in the near future, you'll be able to subscribe and to your club and watch your club matches um, on- online, basically on your computer. And at that point, at that time, it was, I was pretty, pretty uh, radical at the time. But we're now at a point where now starting next season, you can do that and subscribe to For me personally, as a Swansea fan, if they do go down, I, and I've been worrying about this, this, this season too, I wouldn't be able to see them in the Premier League. So I'd, I'd be able to see them on, you mean, on being sports, maybe once or twice uh, every few months. But with this, at least uh, I'll be able to watch every single match. Now, that's the good news. The not so good news is the price. The price is pretty steep. So the price is roughly about $140 for the season. Now, if you break that down, that ends up being about about $3, a uh, little bit more than like $3.05 uh, per match. That's so not too bad. Um, but it's a bit, a bit of sticker shock, especially uh, with some of the prices we've been paying. But so, Mark, what do you think about this? If if you're a fan of, uh, I don't know, Sheffield Wednesday or, you know, I don't know, any any of the clubs. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of big clubs, Leeds United. I mean, lots of big clubs and a lot of small clubs, too. Is this something you think that would be of interest to you if you supported one of these clubs? And do you think this can possibly be the next revolution in terms of uh, football streaming? Well, there's a, a, a gentleman, a lad, who was a few years above me at school who will be hoping that Sheffield Wednesday aren't part of that next season because he's the assistant manager there, um, Lee Bullen. So he'll be hoping they're in the, the, the Premier League. But I like the idea. Um, and I think as well, when, if you're paying that money, you're going to get someone. I, I speak as, as someone that was commentator, the match commentator for Hearts for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we had audio coverage, and it's only over the last couple of years that every home game um, has been made available for viewing for viewers uh, overseas um, due to rights restrictions in the UK. They can't show it in the UK because it's a three o'clock kickoff. But uh, it certainly worked with with Hearts. But if they go to somewhere that, like a St Johnston, for example, you still have to go back to the the audio coverage. Now, um, every club channel is different. Most of them are are pretty much uh, the glasses are tinted towards the colours of the team that's playing. Um, it just, it's where you draw the bottom line here because, I mean, obviously we've had the issues, unfortunately, at ESPN over, over the last um, week or so with the, the, the redundancies. And there's been a lot of kind of speculation that's been false as to, to why um, that, that that's happened um, as well. But the, 
a lot of it's to do with with streaming. So where are you drawing the line with how much you're going to spend? If it's $140 or £140, you've got that. In the UK, you're going to have your Sky subscription here. You've got your cable subscription as well. But it's been something that, that's been certainly it's, it's been something that was, that's going to be done um, for the last few years, and finally it's it's come to fruition. And uh, I, I think I like it. I, I think it's something that you know you're going to get it no matter where you are, what day of the week it is as well. And I mean, I hope Swansea stay up, but if they do go down, you're not going to get the majority of the Swansea games, as you say, with the exception of, of being sports. And mm-hmm. and most of us over here, I think absence makes the heart grow fonder. I mean, um, hearts on the best team in the world but they're my team and I want to see them whenever they play and I don't care if if your Craig Burleys and your your Paul Mariners and your Shaka Hislop have a go at me when they see me watching Hearts at work I can do that and I don't care if we're losing they're like why just turn it off you're 3-0 down you don't get this I'm a Hearts fan I'm abroad and I can watch my team and for for every me out there I'm sure there's plenty others like yourself and others that want to watch their team irrespective of, of whether they're top of the league or bottom of the league Absolutely. So, so the name of the streaming uh, service is going to be called iFollow. Um, I spoke to the director of marketing today from uh, the EFL. So I'll, I'll be writing up an article with, which will go into a lot more detail in terms of how this works and when it's launching, etc. But essentially, the products will be called iFollow. So if you follow Blackburn Rovers, you'll get, log on, on to the Blackburn Rovers website and there'll be an option uh, midsummer uh, to subscribe to iFollow Blackburn Rovers. Uh, and so on and so forth for each each of the teams. Um, it's it's an interesting idea. It's actually a pretty it's a gamble, I think, in many ways. It's, it's a little bit of a risk. Um, the way it works, though, too, is that um, the TV rights are separate. So, for example, um, the championship uh, the rights are up uh, pretty soon. But for example, if BN Sports renews the rights and has uh, the championship next season, if that match, say, it's um, Leeds United against Aston Villa, is going to be on television. That is going to be block, uh, blacked out on the streaming service. So if you're subscribed to iFollow Leeds United, you will not be able to watch that match through that uh, streaming service. But you will be then directed to watch it uh, on BN Sports. But uh, one thing you did mention, Mark, too, it, it is something in terms of the pricing. Uh, hopefully, I mean, it's at this point too late, but it is one of those things where you have to factor in, okay, I'm subscribing to Sling TV or Fubo or uh, my internet service, uh, maybe Netflix here and there, and maybe maybe cable for some of us too, of course, um, or satellite. And then on top of that, then kind of the I follow service. So um, it is prioritizing, again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think at the end of the day, I mean, this is definitely going to appeal to diehards. You mean hardcore soccer fans of those clubs? I'm I'm one of them. You you are too, Mark. Um, the mainstream, it's, I don't think it's going to appeal to them, especially with the price points, but uh, it at least gives them the, the option and it, it gives um, the EFL and actually the clubs um, a, a new revenue stream that perhaps with the, yeah. the audio player, they won't get any as much revenue perhaps in the past. And hopefully, the, I think they're seeing dollar signs, especially with the US, mm-hmm. but it is going to be a gamble. Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's an interesting case study because you'll find out pretty soon um, once it starts what the subscription numbers are like. And they can then – for me, it's not so much this. It's what it could lead to as well because right now um, different leagues have different deals with different broadcasters. And it's funny, we had a meeting, a quarterly meeting at ESPN uh, today and uh, we were asking questions about specific rights as to to what may or or may not be be uh, be coming up. Um, but but what that led to was a conversation between myself, Hercules Gomez, and Sebastian Salazar 
um, the two of them have recently joined ESPN, good additions yep. uh, to our soccer coverage as well. And I was getting info uh, from them about Mexico and, and how it works down there with the Mexican clubs. And, and uh, what I'm trying to get to is ultimately, will this be something that the, the rights holders will be the clubs themselves and they will negotiate independently mm-hmm. uh, with broadcasters or whatever. So that for me, this iFollow streaming service is going to be an excellent case study as to how uh, it may work in the future rather than broadcasters uh, buying the whole league. Could they buy individual clubs? Could clubs um, sell their own rights? We had this issue in Scottish football many years ago um, when they turned down a massive offer from Sky TV um, to broadcast all the games because SPL TV was going to be a, a thing and, and uh, clubs would subscribe and the money would go to SPL, the Scottish Premier League at the time, who'd then distribute it to the clubs. That never came about. And the person who was in charge of it at the time, Roger Mitchell, I just think his idea was ahead of, the, ahead of his time by at least a decade because, um, I mean, ultimately – that, I think, will, will come in down the line. I think this iFollow streaming service will give us an indication of, of how popular it may be and if it may come in short term or it might be the case of we'll have to wait a lot longer for this. Yeah, there's, there's definitely going to be a lot of uh, people watching this one very, very closely, uh, both clubs, leagues, broadcasters, um, streaming providers in terms of uh, how well or how not so well this does. So, yeah. So anyway, more, more information about uh, about the uh, service at worldsoccertalk.com and we'll have an FAQ and more details uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, another big announcement this week, too, is Hulu. So we've talked about this in the past, that Hulu is working on a, a live TV streaming product. I mean, they have the Hulu service as it is today, which has a lot of uh, SNL and a lot of uh, on-demand programming. But uh, they've announced that the, the, the beta has launched. Um, it's a new streaming service, and it's, it's entitled Hulu with Live TV. Uh, the cheapest package is priced at $40 a month. And for soccer fans, it includes NBCSN, ESPN, ESPN2, FS1, FS2, and the, the Fox regional sports channels. Uh, also, I believe it includes ESPN News, which is always, always a good channel to have for the overflow for ESPN FC, etc., um, over the air, Fox and NBC are included, but only on demand. Uh, so no live programming there from uh, Fox, the over the air network, uh, and NBC uh, network there too. So it works on Android, iOS, Xbox One, Apple TV, and Chromecast. Uh, you also get 50 hours of cloud TV, uh, DVR storage, which is fantastic. Um, and you get unlimited access to the Hulu streaming library. Uh, but so on the bad side, it's not available on on your computer so basically you're gonna to have to watch it on your phone or your over the over the top uh, streaming device like a um, apple tv or a chromecast etc um and the other bad news too is there's no being sports uh and no univision to portes um and, and and no access to the nbc sports app either those things might come come down the road but uh all in all pretty interesting it, it's pricey again uh to me it feels a lot like cable in terms of a lot of these cable channels kind of bundling together. Um, it's not much of a la carte options, but, uh, but it is another competitor. And, and I think with another competitor in the industry, you got your Hulus, your PlayStation Views, you got your Sling TVs, you got YouTube TVs, uh, Fubo. I mean, and the list goes on and on and on. Uh, it does make it more competitive. And hopefully at the end of the day, hopefully it'll be a uh, I mean, better product, better price. Uh, better technology for uh, for us, the, the consumers. I'd love to be in a position to, to say that I can watch uh, Fox Sports 2 
um, via my cable company and watch BN Sport on in HD. But those of us living in Connecticut with Comcast, um, FS2, the frustrating and galling thing, it appears as one of the channels, but it doesn't come on. And then you could speak to 100 different people. Oh, we're working on it. Yeah, that's why I've got Fox Sports to go because yeah. there's only so many times you can call a, a Comcast uh, customer service representative and then depending on the time of day, you get put through to India and you're just like, you know what, <laughs> maybe next time. Yeah, yeah, what a tease though, to, to get FS2 but not, not actually see the, see the actual picture. That's, yeah. that's, that's oh, horrible. Oh. So so other news too, I mean, this has been a big a big news, uh, big, big week for news and that's uh, um, the League One playoffs actually happening right now. We're re- recording this one on Thursday. Uh, and also the final day of the championship uh, season are going to be st- streamed live on BN Sports Connect. So um, League One playoffs, which are, are feature Millmores in one of the games, uh, Bradford City, I think Fleetwood and uh, Scunthorpe. So those games are going to be on BN Sports Connect. I think the um, the second legs so of the semifinals are on, uh, I think, uh, Sunday, I believe. And then also um, we've got the... Um, the championship, the final day of the season, and it's going right down to the wire to the very, very last game, game of the seasons. Um, being sports will have connect. We'll have three of those, and uh, two of those three are relegation battles where the teams. It's going to go back and forth. It's going to be absolutely incredible to watch, um, and that's going to be on Sunday at seven a.m. Eastern. So if you do get a chance to watch it, and you do get being sports connect, definitely check it out. One thing to add to that, Mark, too, is that um, Fubo just launched today. Um, they've integrated the BN Sports Connect directly into Fubo. So if you do subscribe to the Fubo streaming service, uh, Fubo Premiere, uh, you will get BN Sports Connect directly in that app. So it, previously, you'd have to log into the BN Sports Connect website and then authenticate and then watch it, which was too many hoops and hurdles. Uh, but now it's all integrated into one. So that, that's... Uh, Great news for those uh, subscribers that have uh, Fubo. A lot of different ways to, to to get TV, to get football on, on TV, which I think I think is great. But yeah. I think it's going to come down to eventually, once everybody does it, it's going to come down to ease of use. Because um, for everyone that knows how to work a, a, a computer, they might have a VPN or anything like that, there are those that just want... For example, parents, um, if, if they're maybe not quite technologically minded, if everyone's offering something, then it might come down to ease of use uh, once everyone's got it. So there's a lot of things to keep on top of with regards to this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And actually, that's one of the things that WorldSoccerTalk.com tries to do, at least try to simplify things. So we've got uh, a whole bunch of beginner's guides uh, to the different leagues, but also to the different streaming services how-to videos about kind of uh, step-by-step how, how to actually uh, uh, be able to get some of these services and, and some, some tips and tricks and things because it is confusing. There, there is so many different options. Um, and one of the things, as an aside too, I'm actually working on a, a book I'm going to publish this summer that's going to be a guide to watching soccer on, on US television and streaming, which is going to go through league by league and just kind of go into more detail about, okay, if you're, if you're a fan of the a team in the championship, Sheffield Wednesday, if they're still there. Um, here's step-by-step. Step. Here's, here's all the different options available to you to be able to actually watch these matches because there's just so many options. It is very confusing. And that's the sad thing too, and we'll get into this a little bit later, is that the easier option is illegal streaming sometimes because you know it's there, it's it's free, it's simple. 
Um, and the legal options sometimes are more complicated. So, so that's part of what I'm trying to do is kind of to simplify it and get, get uh, this information out into the public to make it easier uh, to watch legal streams or legal, or legal uh, matches on television. So, um, so another piece of information too that came out this week was the Grant Wall uh, has his uh, Planet Football podcast. Uh, he interviewed John Strong a couple of weeks ago, and actually, I, I had a chance to listen to the interview. Uh, a few things that came out that were of interest: uh, John Strong was comparing Major League Soccer uh, to Champions League commentaries, and he kind of am- admitted it in the interview that he doesn't need to do a lot of selling uh, for Champions League games when he's commentating on those matches. Uh, kind of hinting, reading between the lines, that he has to do that a little bit with uh, Major League Soccer games uh, in particular uh, in terms of just maybe selling the league a little bit or selling the players, trying to get people to, I mean, convince them to keep on listening or keep on hanging on uh, on for a particular match. Um, another thing that he admitted to was that, uh, and, and, and for some of us, this is probably not surprising for for me, it was a little bit surprising, but he, he said that Fox Sports is using the NFL as the gold template um, that he and Fox are working on to deliver soccer broadcasts. And while I completely understand in terms of kind of his thinking and, and Fox's thinking in regards to that, uh, I, I don't know, that, uh, that, that hit, hit me the wrong way in terms of it. I think sometimes Fox does things that from a very NFL point of view, which we've seen that in the past before, kind of football versus football, um, even the Gus Johnson to a certain extent, of course, he's a basketball announcer, but the way that they're broadcasting soccer is very NFL-like in many ways. And, and sometimes I don't think that the NFL, uh, the reason that the NFL is so popular is because of the broadcast. I think it's just because it's almost everyone, the mainstream watches NFL. So it's almost a, a religion in some ways. Um, but anyway, that, that, that's, my, that's my thoughts on that one. Do you have anything to, sh- to share on that one, Mark? <laughs> uh, have you got two hours? <laughs> um, it's probably something that I would share over a beer. Um, I, I, I look, I, I just think the way NBC have gone about um, their, their Premier League coverage is, is the way it should be done. They're, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. I think sometimes – and I, I understand why some companies try and, and put gimmicks and various other things and to an extent reinvent the wheel, but – don't dumb something down that doesn't need dumbed down. That football against football thing, I remember it was Kurt Menefee. It was the Champions League broadcast. The final was like, here's one set of football and here's the rules for another set of football. And you just think, wait a minute here. We don't need this. Now, they've learned and, and their coverage is certainly much improved um, since then. But I mean, maybe it's the Fox way. I don't know. I've never worked for them. Um, so I'm not sure of, of the style. But... I mean, if you're introducing graphics that that are very successful and and music that's that, that's successful that's used in NFL into into soccer into our football over here, but there's got to be a line drawn somewhere. And I mean, it's interesting because I mean, look, John's only doing what what he's told. Mm-hmm. Um, do do Fox want to go down the way that NBC have have gone about it and just kind of assume that everybody? Um, knows it well. It's 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 worked with the numbers that NBC are are getting for um, their broadcasts. That they're, they're excellent because you wouldn't know if that was an, a broadcast which was taking place in the United Kingdom for UK viewers, or in the United States, uh, in Canada, or in Australia. For me, that that's the way it, it kind of needs to be. And I, I thought it was interesting. You're talking about John's first comments about the comparisons between MLS 
and, uh, and and Champions League. Of course, when we're doing matches, we cross-promote, we say. And to an extent, even when we've been doing um, certain domestic matches, uh, the Bayern Munich-Borussia Dortmund game, uh, I was cross-promoting Champions League coverage on ESPN Deportes because obviously we don't have the Champions League rights um, after the group stages and won't have any more um, from, from next season. But we can still cross-promote. But ultimately, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're keeping it simple there. Um, but I go back to something I said earlier. There's not a right or a wrong. Mm-hmm. You are judged on, on the decisions that you make and the viewer and the viewing numbers that will watch um, and tune in. Uh, they will determine whether or not you've made the right decision uh, or not. Yeah, yeah. And that was something definitely that rubbed me the wrong way when I, when I did hear that, talking about the NFL goal template. And uh, I agree with you, Mark. It's one of those things that, um, yes, the NFL does great some great things with the broadcasting, but uh, I mean, it's a different sport. It's, it's a completely different sport in, in so many different ways. Uh, even the way that it's produced and the way that um, even commercials is, uh, even go on and on. on. But uh, yeah, that did uh, that did startle me a bit, and, and I think again, I think within the Fox environment, I think it's one of those things that they probably take that for granted. Of course, we're trying to replicate the NFL and use that template, um, and, and I think a lot of the kind of negativity we, we've heard has has been a, a reaction to that. What we've seen in the past in terms in terms of that kind of the template not working, so to speak, with soccer. One other thing that John said was that uh, Fox is going to blow the da- the doors off um, with the things that they're planning for the uh, 2018 FIFA World Cup. So didn't go into any more details other than that, but uh, should be interesting to see. I mean, definitely with uh, being in Russia, it's going to be politically <laughs> eye-opening, but but there's going to be a lot of storylines. So um, it, it'll be interesting, interesting to see. Uh, what they do with that. And I know that they're probably going to rely on National Geographic quite a bit for some of the footage there, uh, which is what they did for the Women's World Cup. Um, But beyond that, um, I don't know, I guess we're going to have to wait and see. I think think it'll be okay. I mean, David Neal's working very closely behind the scenes, but uh, we'll have to wait and see, I guess, uh, in the coming months once we hear more details about what the coverage is going to entail. Uh, two more quick things, uh, Mark, before we go on to the next segment. Uh, so Copa Lib, uh, Copa Libertadores and uh, Copa Sudamericana. Um, a lot of uh, listeners and, and readers on the site have been really uh, upset because um, those games haven't been shown the last few weeks um, on Fox Soccer to Go. Um, now Fox Soccer to Go has removed those from the website completely. So there's no mention of Copa Lib or Copa Sudamericana. So it looks like those matches won't be uh, available legally uh, in the U.S. for any viewers that want to watch those matches. So definitely a shame there. Uh, if we hear anything, we'll, we'll def- definitely let uh, the listeners and readers know on, on willsoccertalk.com. And then last but not least, uh, Derek Gray made a big announcement today, uh, Thursday on Twitter, uh, that uh, his, this season will be his last season with BT Sport. Um, so and he's coming back to the states. So he's going to be moving back to his home in Massachusetts. Um, I did tweet him and ask him if there was anything lined up uh, in the near future, and he said no, nothing at this point in time. But uh, with someone with that uh, array of experience, I mean, over twenty years commentating World Cups, Champions League, you, you name it. Um, hopefully, uh, somewhere in the U.S., he'll he'll find a place to uh, continue um, some some great broadcasting. Yeah, and I think um, BT Sports' loss will be the gain of, of someone over here. Um, I, I, I did call Derek 
um, to wish him well earlier today. And of course, he he didn't give too much away. Neither he should. Um, he's he's coming back, as you say, to 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 mass. Um, but I just want to put on record and. and he, he kind of says, look, I had nothing to do with me, but Derek Ray was a huge reason why I ended up in the United States. And I, I'll always be grateful to, to Derek for the opportunity. Again, he'll say he didn't do anything, but he um, alerted me to the fact that he was going to be moving over to uh, to the UK and, and that there might be an opportunity for a position that might come up at, at ESPN, um, which I subsequently applied for and, and, and got. Um, so uh, I'll always be grateful to, to, to Derek for, for that opportunity, even though he said he had nothing to do with it. He did, and I thank him for that. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely a very gracious man. And, and I, I've heard similar stories too from within the industry as far as some of the, the things he's done kind of uh, above and beyond just to help people out. You know, it, it seems like a, a true gentleman as well as a, a world-class commentator. So I think top of the game, um, definitely. So, which is good news for the US. Hopefully he'll find a place, whether it's you know, ESPN, Turner, Fox, I mean, being well, Turner's, sports. Tur- Turner's the obvious one because, I mean, I don't think that, that, that Turner should look beyond Derek for their, their Champions League commentator. Right. I think they've got someone that's done it before. Um, he's done it with BT in the UK. He's one of the best commentators out there. Um, unless they want an American voice, which they could easily have in addition to. But if, if, if they have plans in place for their Champions League coverage that don't include Derek Ray, I think they're making a mistake. Yeah, yeah, it should be a slam dunk. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, Turner Sports is listening. So, so moving on to our next segment, and that's TV ratings. Uh, we don't have all the numbers in yet uh, for this past weekend and this past week, um, but we'll have those within the next 24 hours or so. We'll post everything on uh, worldsoccertalk.com for the uh, the TV numbers. Uh, some of the numbers that did jump out, um, the Spurs-Arsenal, North London derby, uh, 674,000 viewers on that one for um, NBCSN. That was on Sunday, uh, 11.30 to uh, 1.30 Eastern time. Uh, some of the other numbers, uh, Wolfsburg against Bayern Munich. This was the game that was on uh, uh, Big Fox, uh, Fox Over the Air Network. Uh, that one had 308,000 viewers. Uh, and that was uh, Saturday between 12.30 and 2.30 Eastern time. Uh, Atlanta against DC United on FS1. This was on the, the Sunday match. Um, and this one had 133,000 viewers, which is uh, another disappointing number from FS1. This is, I think, the second week in a row, too, that they've had a low number. Um, as a comparison, and this is not a direct apples-to-apples comparison, but it is an interesting comparison, is that uh, the Premier League live show, which is the, you know, the usually the, the pregame show um, on Sunday, this is between 11 and 11.30, so it's only for 30 minutes. So again, it's not apples-to-apples comparison on Sunday on the NBCSN. So the pregame show, or I guess post-Chelsea-Everton post, post, uh, and then pre-Arsenal Spurs had uh, 211,000 viewers for that. So that had uh, almost doubled the number of viewers for the Atlanta against DC United uh, match there on FS1. Mark, any other numbers? We've got a few others listed here. Any other numbers uh, or or any numbers you want to chat about? I mean, they're pretty steady. Their big games are getting a a decent attendance. I was slightly surprised that um, the the Man United game on Sunday only got 100 uh, and, and 26,000. I mean, the, the 132,000 for, for Watford against Liverpool, 
there's good and bad. There's pros and cons about NBC because at times they have to put it on CNBC um, and at times they, they do NBC Sports Network and at times they do NBC. Obviously, you get a boost on NBC. Palace Burnley doing a great number on, on NBC. But again, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to, to me being a subscriber to Comcast. Comcast, for some reason, have decided to change um, all the numbers uh, of HD channels as well. Now, it's hard enough. You and me, and I'm sure all of our our listeners, we, we kind of have this as a football fan or as a sports fan, we have it ingrained in our brain that we remember numbers. Oh, well, that's certainly ESPN, that's Fox, that's NBC. And they've gone and changed it as well. Mm-hmm. Now, beforehand, I struggled to remember what CNBC was on. So I think as long as they cross-promote that certain games are going to be on other networks, we've got these remote controls now that we can talk to, thankfully, yep. because it's a nightmare otherwise. Um, but just a little bit more cross-promotion to, to help um, locate where certain games are, I don't think would go amiss too much. Yeah, and I used to have them memorized. I used to have those numbers memorized for all the Likewise. different channels, and, and now I've given up because they've changed it. <laughs> <laughs> so I do the same thing that you do, um, whether it's the X1 voice command thing and yes. just say it and it comes up, <laughs> and it switches to the HD if it's available. That, that That's fantastic. Um, but yeah, you're right. In terms of the cross-promotion, it always helps because... Uh, yeah, there's so many channels out there, so many different options. Things change so quickly, and a lot of the matches have been on CNBC this past weekend for the Premier League. I think this coming weekend too. I think I think it's the same thing too. Um, a lot of it's for the F1 um, Grand yep. Prix. So things things change. So it's a moving target. Uh, and by the way, sorry, Chris. Sure, the, at ahead. least the uh, at least the X1 remote. Um, I mean, see what you like about Comcast. I think their X1 system is phenomenal. And the, the remote at least understands a British accent because <laughs> my car is an absolute uh, – you end up putting on a stupid American accent that, as you know, most Brits can't do. And, and it recognizes that, Carl, such and such. And you just go to the most ridiculous octave of your voice you've never been to before <laughs> when, you're try, when you're trying to call someone in your car. But X1, you don't need to sound stupid and try and put on an accent that you can't do. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, been there, done that. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> so, so moving on quickly to the next segment, which is listener mailbag. We don't we don't have a lot of uh, listener mailbag this this week, which is okay because we're um, a bit short in time. But Edward uh, Chu on Twitter um, sent us a tweet, and he said, um, and this is following up on last week's conversation about uh, the FA Cup rights being up in the air in terms of um, who's going to acquire it. Um, and it, it, it's still up in the air. But anyway, he says, uh, if NBC could grab the FA Cup rights on the cheap after the debacle you talked about last week, picture them bringing the same level of coverage. And I think, um, th- thanks, Edward, for the for the, uh, the tweet there. I think that, I mean, on the cheap is definitely, uh, I mean, the FA is probably going to have to come way down on the pricing in terms of uh, the, the valuation of those FA Cup rights. Of course, if there's a lot of competition, those rights, uh, you know, those bidding numbers will, will increase. But I'm, I'm not so sure that uh, it's NBC's role in terms of elevating the coverage. In many ways, it would be interesting to see what um, the FA would be proposing in terms of the FA Cup in general. How many matches are actually going to be televised, uh, especially in the third rounds and you know, fourth rounds of the tournament where there's only a select number of matches. It's usually a single uh, commentary. I mean, it's kind of a single commentator rather than than a a, a duo team, kind of a, a co-com and, and a regular com. So to me, I think the FA needs to elevate their coverage and their production values, um, whether it's through IMG or whoever's broadcasting the FA Cup. And then, of course, NBC, if they did get the rights, 
uh, which is a big if at this point. But if they did get the rights, then yes, they could elevate uh, the FA Cup. But a lot of warning signs, I guess, in terms of the FA Cup. And um, it's kind of a sad predicament, really, in many ways. We just don't know where it's going to be uh, next season. Hopefully someone will come in and uh, do it some justice in terms of uh, TV coverage or streaming coverage, whichever it may be. We have the rights for, um, we, we certainly cover the FA Cup final for Australia and and New Zealand um, at ESPN. We don't obviously have the rights here. It's difficult for ESPN with the platforms that they have. Obviously, with, with uh, ESPN.com and watch ESPN, they can do a lot online. Um, but as far as the timing is concerned, if, if a lot of it goes up against college football, then that becomes problematic. Um, but as far as the FA Cup is, is concerned, we've seen Manchester United win it of late. We've seen Arsenal win it of late as well. And um, it might not be the tournament that it was. It might not be mainstream uh, as it used to be, but you'll still get Australians and, and people in New Zealand um, getting up at stupid o'clock in the morning to, to watch their team yep. if they're in the cup final. So the audience is certainly out there. Um, it's just a shame that some managers in the early rounds think they've got enough by playing the reserves or squad players because it does dilute the fact. There's still the wonderful stories that we've seen um, this year with, with Lincoln and with the other non-league clubs as well. Um, and it's funny because sometimes you think, well, managers not playing their first strength or their full strength uh, first teams, that's maybe detrimental to the competition. You could argue, on the other hand as well, um, if they do play their first choice team, I'm sure Leeds would have beaten Sutton. Um, I'm sure uh, AFC Wimbledon and, and, and other teams like that um, might not have got as, as far as they did uh, if teams were, were or stronger teams were played. So we are still getting these stories even though some teams are uh, are electing to, to, to rest players and, and name weakened teams. So it kind of works both ways, but there's still an appetite for it, Chris. And now on to our feature topic of the week. So this one's going to be a bit of a rant for me, but it's uh, about um, whether soccer is going to have a Napster-like uh, fate awaiting the sport. So what I mean by this is that um, what we've seen, and I've seen, seen this from personal experience, is the number of people that are... Uh, basically watching illegal streams of soccer games. It doesn't have to be soccer games. It could be movies, uh, television shows, whether it's through websites, whether it's through Kodi, whether it's through all these other uh, means and methods. It's hurting soccer, and it actually could be a downward spiral uh, for the sport. So what would happen if the majority of sports fans cut the cord and watched illegal streams of soccer games for free? And that's where we're at right now is basically is we have – more and more people watching matches for free. Um, it's part of a cultural thing in many ways, especially among the millennials and younger generations, where they feel that illegal streaming is perfectly normal. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not hurting anyone. Well, the fact is, is that as TV numbers, numbers uh, plummet, and we've seen the number of subscribers uh, to cable and satellite decrease, and then the number of people uh, subscribing to streaming, legal streaming, increase what we see is that what this means is that the tv networks are um will be able to charge far less money uh to advertisers because the number of subscribers number of people watching the coverage on television has decreased considerably and, and continues to do so so it's going to be difficult for the tv um, networks to break even based on the amount of money it's costing them to show soccer you got the tv rights which are astronomical then you have the production costs 
as well as the salaries of the, of the talent. At the same time, that means that TV networks would be less likely to bid on future rights for soccer games. Or even, even if they do bid, they would have to bid far less than what they've been currently paying. And we've seen this too. I mean, just last week or a couple of weeks ago now uh, at ESPN, where they laid off 100 people, uh, Fox Sports 1 had recent layoffs too. And we've seen how these TV companies are going through tough times right now. And that's because expensive TV rights are no longer a higher priority. Um, it, as the TV rights increase, um, there's a lack of interest among these TV companies in terms of acquiring those rights because they're so astronomical uh, in terms of the pricing. And we've seen that too with the FA Cup. The FA Cup, where the FA is expecting a, a huge amount of money for the rights to the FA Cup. And um, my sources reveal that ESPN, NBC, Fox, they're not interested. So why is that? So at the same time that, that the, the TV rights are going way up, uh, TV revenue is going down from subscribers and advertisers. Uh, streaming is increasing, uh, but it's producing re- less revenue in many ways uh, for the TV networks. Uh, illegal streaming is rampant. And if soccer leagues get less money, because the soccer leagues, most of the revenue that the soccer leagues get uh, is from TV revenue. The Premier League, the reason the Premier League can buy all these these stars and that they generate so much um, money to, for these huge transfer, transfer fees is because of TV revenue. So if the soccer leagues are getting less money from TV revenue because TV networks are pulling back and not spending as much, that means the clubs are getting less money. And that means the clubs will end up not being able to spend as much money in transfers. And that means a decline in talent for your soccer team. So it's a vicious circle. It's one of those things that many of us kind of think that uh, illegal streaming of soccer games in this example, but it could be movies or television shows, whatever it may be, it's not hurting anyone. It's something that's simple. It's free. Um, it's just a thing we do. But it does have an impact, and it will continue to have an impact. And if anything, if nothing's done about this, or if people continue to watch illegal streams, this is going to affect our sport. And it's going to be a downward spiral because in terms of this economy, uh, at the end of the day, it's not going to help soccer at all in terms of growing the sport in the country because they won't be able to track the number of people that are watching illegal streams, uh, obviously. Uh, Those people that are are paying for Sling TV or other services, uh, obviously they can track those people. But the growth of soccer in the United States is going to be hurt by people watching games illegally. And it could affect the TV coverage too. So it it is one of those things, it's just a a rant from me, but it's one of those things that has to be said that um, I think we kind of don't really think about it in some ways. But watching the legal stream of a a match or a season or a club, whatever it may be, does have a negative impact. And if more and more people continue to do that, that's going to hurt the actual TV coverage that we love. It's going to hurt the, the actual access to a lot of these games in terms of the rights and being able to see these games in our country. And at the end of the day, it's going to hurt our sports in terms of transfer fees and, and being able, able to see the quality on the pitch, no matter what league it is around the world. All right, Mark. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. So, so where can listeners find you on the internet if they want to hit you up on Twitter or elsewhere to uh, send you a message? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Donaldson ESPN, D-O-N-A-L-D-S-O-N ESPN. Um, and obviously via the ESPN.com 
website, there's a, a weekly fantasy segment that we do, um, providing you with options for your official Premier League fantasy team. Um, they're not always the right options, hence the fact I'm not as high up the league as, as I would like. So we do that. And of course, um, I'm a part of the ESPN FC team as well. So I'd love to hear from you on Twitter. And Chris, thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to chat over the last hour or so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, Mark, I'm a big fan of your uh, commentary. Any any matches coming up um, stateside that we can kind of keep an eye out for your commentary coming up? Uh, I'm not sure if your schedules, if you, if you know yeah, in advance. Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, I'll be part of the uh, ESPN's I, ICC coverage um, coming Thanks. up like I was last year. So I'm looking forward to that. There's some big names um, coming over to the States, big teams. So I'm looking forward to... Uh, to being a part of that don't know the specifics uh, as to which games uh, as yet but um it's 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 growing every single year charlie stilitano and the, the the boys have put together a competition that a lot of the big clubs now not so much a competition but just an opportunity for them to come and let their hair down and, and play big games in front of huge crowds so looking forward to be part of that in the, in the summer Absolutely. So, uh, so thanks for your insight, Mark, and and thank you, listeners, for listening. Uh, you can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, Audio Boom, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media, and give us a review. Enjoy your football. <laughs> <laughs>